The Big Fight Weekend Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you in part by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use the promo code SGP when you sign up to turn $4 into $256 if the college basketball underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset. That code SGP turns $4 into $256 if your doggy wins for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. We're also brought to you in part by BetQL. BetQL is your home for info that you need to make yourself a smarter, better. NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, they've got you covered. Just go to BetQL.com, promo code SGP30. That's BetQL.com, promo code SGP30 for 30% off. And we're brought to you by Odds Crowd. Are you the best college hoop better in the country? Odds Crowd is challenging you to prove it with their free March Madness Fantasy Betting Contest with over $8,000 in cash prizes. Download their app today, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks from cappers and bettors, including the crew from the SGPN. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Check out all their free videos at betterthan.vegas. That's betterthan.vegas. We're also brought to you in part by Better Edge. Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like the stock market. The best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right, no VIG, and it's legal in 40 states. Sign up at betteredge.com, promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com, promo code SGP. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Ring the bell, indeed. We are ready for another weekend of the fists of the sweet science, and it is the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I am merely the somewhat capable host. I am upfront admitting that I am ADD, distracted big time, because we've got college basketball going everywhere. I know that's another different sport, different podcast, different show, but we've got Berserko College Basketball, not just this weekend, but for the rest of the month. However, we have to carve out some time for the sweet science, and we got a very entertaining World Super Flyweight Unified Championship fight between a couple of guys that are rematching that are big-time talents, big-time punchers in terms of volume, and it should be an entertaining fight, and we're going to talk more about it here on the show. Reminder, however you found us, social media link, or through sportsgamblingpodcast.com and their network fleet of shows. Thank you for doing so. Subscribe to the Big Fight Weekend Podcast, and we come automatically to you, always in the preview mode, heading for the weekend, hence the name. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We come right to you that way, and you'll get automatic notification. Again, if the fights are big enough, we'll come back with a recap show. You won't have to worry about looking for it. Finding it later on a social media link, it'll come automatically to you. If you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, just look for Big Fight Weekend. That's where we are. My man Marquise Johns will be with me in a few moments, and we've got a special guest joining us leading off the show from BoxingScene.com. Senior writer and columnist Keith Eidick is here to talk more about Chocolatito and Estrada. That's the main event. Dallas, Texas, WBC, WBA, Unified Super Flyweight Championship fight main event from the American Airlines uh, Center in Dallas. Uh, the co-feature is a women's undisputed world welterweight title rematch as well. Uh, Jessica McCaskill upset Cecilia Brakus last August, stopped her 25 title defense win streak, handed her her first pro loss. Revenge for Brakus on the mind. We're going to talk all about this with Keith Eidick as well as some other fight news, including some Alexander Povetkin-Dillian White conversation coming up with that. So stand by for that here in just a moment as he joins us. Then Marquise will be back by with more on the fight cards themselves this weekend. We also have another uh, Showtime uh, David Benavidez main event, PBC on Showtime from the Mohegan Sun Casino coming in Connecticut. Marquise and I will be talking about that towards the end of the program. Without further delay, much more on Chocolatito 
versus Estrada. That is coming straight ahead on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Let's get it all rolling right now. Yes, indeed. As promised, he is leading things off on this edition of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. It is always a good time. It is always great to learn from and hear from senior writer and columnist for BoxingScene.com. Keith Eidick back aboard on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Uh, my friend, I don't think we've talked to you uh, since probably going all the way back to the end of, uh, of last year and Canelo's fight with Callum Smith. So here we are now in 2021. You're gracious as we put the bat signal up to talk with us again. And lo and behold, big fight card back in Texas and in Big D that we're going to talk to you about. But first of all, good to have you. Thank you for hopping on with Marquise and me. Oh, great to be on with you guys. Thanks for having me. All right. So uh, the, the, the card of the weekend is obviously at the smaller weight divisions, what looks like on paper to be a very intriguing rematch. Uh, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, Juan Francisco Estrada. They're going to do it again. A rematch from a fight that was an entertaining fight eight years ago. Both of them are champions in the super flyweight division. To you first, we've got the buildup ongoing. Keith, how much are you intrigued about uh, this showdown, this rematch? Uh, very intrigued. I think everyone wants to, everyone's anticipating an action packed fight, but more so maybe we're here to find out what Roman Gonzalez has left. I mean, because obviously his performance against Califi was, was terrific. But Califi is not Juan Francisco Estrada, as we well know. And Estrada seems to have gotten better. Uh, he's maybe more in his physical prime at this point than Chocolatito is. Um, he struggled in the beginning. Of, there's no uh, shame in that because Quadras – probably toward the end of his prime at this point and was knocked out for the first time. Maybe, maybe quite the same fighter that he was when they fought the first time, but he's a formidable fighter. So I don't think there was any shame in him struggling. He got knocked down in the third round of the fight and really kind of took command in the middle rounds and then really took over and took out Carlos Quadras in his last fight. But a very different challenge for Chocolatito without question than Califi. You know, and, and what's interesting is looming, and, and I believe we've talked with you about this, Marquise and I have talked about this, looming in all of this is uh, the Thai fighter, Shrikaset Sorung Visai, and I hope I got close to being correct on that name, who beat Chocolatito a couple of times, and then Estrada beat him. So in the triangle, that guy's kind of looming for whoever wins this fight, that Sorung Visai would either want to rematch uh, with Estrada to get his belts back, or Gonzalez might want the third fight after Sorung Visai beat him twice. Yes, Keith? Absolutely. And Sorung Visai has a tune-up fight scheduled for Friday night in Thailand. Uh, he's fighting some, you know, a former strawweight champion who's been knocked out in four of his last seven fights. But, um, but so he should win that fight. He's still the mandatory. He actually stepped aside to allow this unification fight to happen. He would have been within his rights to demand that he got the mandatory title shot that was due, but he realizes there's a big payday and a big fight awaiting him because I would assume even if Chocolatito Gonzalez wins this fight, he's going to want to take his third shot at uh, Sorung Visai because he's lost to him twice. Absolutely, Keith. And I just wanted to piggyback off that because uh, the one thing that would happen with these guys fighting each other essentially is something that we're seeing a lot more often than everybody else. Uh, with uh, Estrada and Chocolatito, the one buildup for this fight was, and why everyone's anticipating for it, was everyone's expecting them to, uh, these guys to, to throw a bunch of punches and pretty much keep everybody toe-to-toe -to -toe action. Do you see that coming coming around this Saturday night, Keith, in, in this rematch? Yeah, I think they're both they're going to go at it. I think we're going to get what everyone's closely contested fight because what I've seen from Chocolatito since he's come back from that, what was obviously a brutal knockout loss to Sor Rungvisai, and one that almost ended his career. I mean, he seriously considered retirement after that fight. He, he was beaten badly, as you guys remember, and just, and just dominated in that fight. The fact that he's come back to this point and is in a, in a very big fight again, a world champion again, and has really shown himself at the top level is a real credit to his determination and his resilience. And, um, you know, just the fact that he's in this fight again at this point in his career is, uh, is really a tribute to him. So I think we're going to get the, the best of whatever's left of Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez on Saturday night. And I think, I think maybe Juan Francisco Estrada at this point in his career is just too good for him. 
Interesting. And again, we love the insight of Keith Eidek. You're hearing from him uh, here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, BoxingScene.com. Great insider, uh, longtime boxing writer. We love his work. We love the fact that he returns our text message and our phone call uh, here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast and hops on with us whenever uh, we're looking for some extra insight. The co-feature fight is a women's undisputed world title rematch as well, and a rematch uh, just like uh, Chocolatito and, uh, and Estrada. Uh, in this case, Jessica McCaskill, who pulled a shocker. I don't think that's an overstatement. It was a stunning win when she beat Cecilia Brekus back last August and stopped Brekus's 10-year reign as, as the Women's World Welterweight Champion and 25 consecutive title defenses. All right, so Keith, that's the co-feature. How? I mean, we're all intrigued. What level of intrigue do you have in this rematch, this women's uh, undisputed world welterweight title rematch Saturday night in Dallas? Well, I think it'll definitely be a much more competitive fight than we saw uh, last Friday night with Clarissa Shields and Marie-Yves Decaire. Uh, you know, McCaskill was, uh, Brakus was an eight to one favorite going. McCaskill was coming up in weight. And although they fought at a catch weight of 145 pounds, uh, she was still coming up almost a full division. She had never fought above the junior welterweight limit before. So for her to have come in there and yes, Cecilia Brakus is older. She's 39 now. She's since turned 39 since she lost. She's an older fighter, but she had never lost. I mean, she was the longest reigning champion in all of boxing, men or women. She, she was the longest reigning champion, been a champion since March, 2009. That's a very long time ago, guys. And she, you know, to have, even though the talent pool is shallow in women's boxing, her to have held at least two welterweight titles and then eventually five welterweight titles for that period of time was really remarkable. Um, I don't think she took Jessica McCaskill lightly. I just think that, uh, you know, McCaskill came in with a game plan to overwhelm her with activity and pressure. Um, very close fight at, I think McCaskill edged it out. I don't think that she won seven rounds of the fight. I think one of the judges scored her a 97-93 winner. I didn't see yeah. that. Uh, one of the judges had it, even 95-95. Um, it was a very close fight. I thought McCaskill deserved to, to eke it out. Um, but, you know, if Brakus is ever going to be motivated, this is going to be the most motivated version of her that maybe we've ever seen because she wants her belts back. She feels that McCaskill is not on her level. She's a not that she's a club fighter by any stretch because she did. She's now the undisputed welterweight champion in women's boxing, but she just feels that she's not on her level. Should not have lost that fight. I spoke to Brakus earlier this week and she said, you know, she, she was in camp for a long time. She, she was basically stuck in uh, big bear Lake, California for six, uh, five months, maybe five and a half months before that fight. You know, she was there throughout the pandemic. She lives in Norway was away from her family and friends and everything. And, you know, maybe didn't have the greatest training camp going into the fight, but, you know, McCaskill obviously had os obstacles to deal with while training through the beginning of the also. So I wouldn't uh, necessarily blame it on that, but it's, it's still a good fight guys. I mean, for a co-feature and for a, a women's boxing boxing match, which, you know, oftentimes in women's boxing, you know, you get the A side and then you get a B side who clearly is in over her head and that is not the case at all in this fight. That's right, Keith. And actually, I wanted to piggyback off that. Uh, pretty much, I wanted to put you on the spot with this. Uh, we all know what Carissa Shields, uh, now she beat uh, Eve DeClaire very easily last week, that she's off to, to uh, fight in the PFL until she gets an opponent uh, somewhere down the line. What's the next for the winner of this fight between McCaskill and Breakers in this rematch? Do you think it goes to a trilogy with this? I know Hearn's, like, Hearn's big on back-to-back -back contracts and, and repeated one-offs. Uh, what's, what's the end game for all of this once the, once the, for the winner mm -hmm. of this fight on Saturday night? I think it depends on what type of fight it is. If it's a very competitive fight, if Breakers loses again, there's no reason for McCaskill to fight her again. She would have beaten her twice. But yep. if it's a close fight and Cecilia Breakers wins, I could – certainly see there being a third fight. I could also, if McCaskill wins, she's in a great position maybe to then fight Katie Taylor because she, this fight very much like the first fight was fought, will be contested at a catch weight of 145 pounds. It's not at the full welterweight limit of 147. So McCaskill certainly doesn't see herself as a full fledged welter at the uh, junior welterweight limit 
she might have weighed in 138, 138 and a half or something like that. So she could certainly go down and fight Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor has fought at 140 pounds. She's the undisputed uh, lightweight champion at 135. But I think if she beats Brakus in back-to-back fights, that probably would be the fight that McCaska would pursue because she has lost to Katie Taylor and since of become an undisputed champion in a higher division. So I think there would be some interest in that fight, particularly in the UK. And I'm sure if they paid McCaskill appropriately, she would go overseas and fight her in the UK. Um, I know Clarissa Shields has said a lot about potentially fighting uh, McCaskill or Breakis or Katie Tech, any of that's realistic guys, because she's, I, she says she can make 147 pounds. I'm not even, she's never had to do that. So I don't know how realistic that is, but, but even if she could, even if she were to get down to 147 pounds, I'm not sure that there's much interest on the other sides, either from Breakus or Taylor to fight her um, because they'd be giving up, they'd be moving up in weight with McCaskill only a couple of pounds if she had to go up to 47. But um, I just don't know that they're particularly interested in, in that fight when they could take other challenging fights that might even pay them more money, particularly in McCaskill Taylor. Uh, so I don't see those fights being realistic for Clarissa Shields. It's interesting that Shields in the aftermath was like negotiating in her in her post-fight comments and press conference. And I loved the line. I'll clean it up. I'd have to lose my butt to get down to welterweight, to get down to 147. She knows it would be a struggle to even get down to that weight where you're talking about the other fighters coming up uh, there in the women's uh, part of this. But it's still, it will be interesting uh, there as the co-feature. Just a few moments left. Uh, here with Keith Eidick. We did not get the much-delayed Alexander Povetkin-Dillian White rematch that's been delayed multiple times now, uh, and the most recent one because of logistics and guidelines around COVID-19 and the testing and quarantine and that stuff. So they moved the fight to the Isle of Gibraltar. yes, uh, I'm not sure if Keith has put in for the flight and the credential because it may be like a once in a lifetime <laughs> cover a heavyweight fight at the rock at the Isle of Gibraltar. <laughs> How intri- I don't know if you're going, so I'm, I'm making light of it. Maybe you are going. How intrigued are you by this? Mm-hmm. Or at this point, because it's been so delayed, are you over it and you just want to get this over with whoever emerges a near 42 year old Pavetkin or Dillian White that hasn't won a significant fight really in three years? What about it, Keith? What say you? Well, first and foremost, I am not going, <laughs> although it would be, be, it would be very interesting to cover the fight there. I'm sure I'm not, I'm not making that trip, but, uh, but I'm very interested to see how Dillian White responds to that vicious knockout. It, it does, is he the same fighter? I mean, he's going to come in and, you know, Povetkin's an older guy, of course, but, you know, what did that take out of Dillian White? Does, does the Dillian White that we knew – in early August of last year still exists. That's what this fight is about. And, and they've kind of made it seem like, Oh, we just got caught with it. Now he did get caught with a great shot. That's true. And he, and he was well on his way to knocking out Alexander Provetkin. That would seem like what was going to happen that day. That's what made it such an incredible knockout for Provetkin. But I don't know, you know, it's it. Sometimes guys do come out from, you know, come back from one punch knockouts like that, you know, Asim Rockman uh, uh, knocked out Lennox Lewis, and then Lennox Lewis came back in the next fight, as you guys well know, and, and beat the crap out of Asim Rockman. So, I mean, I, it's possible, but, I mean, that was a lights-out shot, and um, I think that's what this entire fight is about. What does Dillian White have left after being knocked cold by, by an older Alexander Povetkin who seemed to be on his last legs? And on that point, on a follow-up, but just again, is some of the mojo off of it because it's taken so long for the rematch that was supposed to be November and then supposed to be January, and now we're into late March for you, I'm talking about, individually. Have you lost some interest in this, or will it rekindle when we get closer to it, Keith? Uh, not at all, because I thought it was happening too soon. It seemed like Dillian White wanted the fight to happen three weeks later. I was like, hey, go go, recover, relax, dude. I mean, you just got starched, you know, just go. So I thought even November might have been too soon. You know, so I thought it was being rushed. And, you know, you just want to go recover, let your mind and body recover and, and relax a little bit, get through the holidays and then go train. And uh, so it's probably better. I mean, even you know, March is not a... a, a 
quick, a, a, a long turnaround. I don't think, I guess what I'm trying to say from, from the end of August, it'll be six, six months, basically, Roughly. you know? So yeah, six and a half, seven months or whatever. So um, that seems like an appropriate amount of time to come back from that kind of loss, you know? So maybe in some ways it's better that it was delayed for whatever the reasons were. And the one other factor is that Pavetkin was hospitalized with COVID-19, again, approaching 42 years of age. How much does he have left anyway, even though he won the fight with the one punch? That's part of the intrigue uh, on that. Uh, Before we let you go, Canelo Alvarez, Billy Joe Saunders, make an educated guess for us. We believe that fight is supposed to be in Texas, potentially. I know he just fought in Miami um, at Hard Rock Stadium in whatever that was with Abney Yildirim in the latest title defense. The, is the Saunders fight Texas? Is it maybe Vegas bound with fans? Read the tea leaves for us for early May. And what are you hearing? What do you think? I think we've got a real shot for the fight to be in, in Las Vegas because uh, it's going to open up soon enough to enough of a percentage of fans where if they put it in a Legion stadium, the home of the, the Las Vegas Raiders, um, that they can get a sizable crowd and they can do a decent gate uh, d- despite not being able to use 100% capacity of the stadium. Now, they, even if they were allowed 100% capacity of the stadium, I, I don't think they would, you know, they would put 70,000 people in the stadium or anything anyway. But um, but it's still possible that it'll be at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, Um Texas, as you guys well know, is a free for all now. You, you don't have to wear a mask. You, you know, I, I guess uh, the although the Chocolatito Estrada fight, which is this weekend, they did not change. Um, the crowd was capped at five thousand, or the ticket sales were capped at five thousand, and they right. did not change that when the governor there lifted the mask mandate and everything. So, um, so I don't necessarily know that. But two months, you know, the fight's still a month and a half away, two months away. Um, but the tickets would have to go on sale relatively soon. So that would have to be a decision that they'll make pretty, pretty quickly. But uh, if I had to guess, and you asked for an educated guess, and I took a very long time to get to that educated guess, but it is my educated guess would probably be Las Vegas. If I put um, a, an amount on what would you wager that Billy Joe Saunders screws this up one more time before we get there? Would you wager a significant amount that that would happen? Since we're speaking of Vegas and gambling, I would probably be willing to wager a significant amount. He's going to find a way in the next couple of months to screw this up again. Somehow, some way, behavior. There's rumors that he's behind in training because he's been sick. Whatever that's worth, you may know more about that than obviously we do, Keith Eidick, but... Uh, it just seems to me we're still far enough out where Billy Joe Saunders, who's messed up a failed drug test that messed up a Demetrius Andrade fight previously, that he could still mess this up, Keith. I'm half joking, but I'm also half believing it. Um, I, do, I don't think so, TJ, and, and this is why. You know, the fight was, was uh, obviously canceled last year. He was supposed to fight Canelo on May 2nd last year. And was supposed to make close to eight million dollars. Um, he's going to get close to that for this fight. I, I just think that he'll be on his best behavior temporarily. Although it seems like he can't help himself sometimes. Uh, I think he's. I think the stuff. Although I wrote a story about it uh, based on an interview he did uh, about him saying that he was sick and everything. Eddie Hearn insists that he's not sick. So he keeps saying that he's sick in the hospital and that he had the flu and he hasn't started training camp they're calling it mind games and British sarcasm. And I don't understand the point of going doing a full like interview with, with someone and, and make up everything that you say along the way. It seems kind of childish and goofy to me, but even for boxing, that may have been even yeah, for boxing, even for like. boxing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and it's not like Canelo, it's not like Canelo Alvarez is all, if he hears that Billy Joe Saunders has the flu is all of a sudden going to start, taking training less seriously. He didn't become Canelo Alvarez by, by doing that. So it really will have no impact on him whatsoever. So I don't know what kind of cycle he's trying to gain or if he just enjoys goofing off with people. I don't know. I don't really understand it, but, um, but, I, but I guess TJ, I think he'll be on his best behavior. I, you know, it would be best if he just stayed off of social media because he seems to 
do things that just get himself into, you know, tasteless, uh, you know, really cruel things in certain instances that get him in trouble. You know, Eddie, if you ask Eddie privately, Eddie Hearn, I mean, privately and publicly, you know, he insists that Billy Joe Saunders is a good guy. He just does. He, this is what he said to me last week. He said he just does idiotic things sometimes, but he's at heart. I, who's to say? I don't know Billy Joe Saunders personally. I do know that he has said and done some pretty ridiculous things and offensive things on, but I don't think he'll do anything to jeopardize his place in this fight and what is, you know, clearly the biggest payday of his career and a fight that he thinks, you know, he fully is confident that he has a chance to go in there and beat Canelo Alvarez. Now, he has the style to give Canelo problems, but if the fight is in Las Vegas in particular, when has Canelo Alvarez not gotten the benefit of the doubt on the scorecards? <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Well, and I keep hearing so much about that, and we're going to let you run in just a second. But I, I don't think that that's even going to be a close fight or an issue of who are the judges. And, you know, our, our colleague David Payne, who does a fantastic job helping us out on the podcast, he wrote something on social media that Billy Joe would have to win 13 of the 12 rounds uh, on the judges' <laughs> cards to be able to get the decision from Canelo. I really don't think that that's the issue. I'm just putting it out there again. We're in early March. Remember me later on. If this thing goes <laughs> sideways or off the rails, because that's the guy's MO, that's his pattern, that he does something. And uh, admittedly, we're watching from a distance that even Eddie Hearn is maddened by this because it cost Billy Joe Saunders the chance to be the opponent last December when everything sorted out because he had so angered Alvarez, uh, I guess, along the way when he got himself suspended that that wasn't the first guy that he went to. They went to Callum Smith uh, anyway and could make that fight easier and quicker. Um, one more time, Keith, you do a great job on BoxingScene.com. Plug away. We are uh, always uh, loving getting you on, uh, reading the site, all the insight, all the information there at BoxingScene.com. Your, your colleague, Jake Donovan, we'd love to have him on as well. Plug away because whether it's the Chocolatito fight card this weekend or anything else that's happening news-wise, et cetera, you're all over it, right? Great. Well, thank you very much for the kind words, TJ. I appreciate you and Marquise having me on, and I have fun with you guys all the time. So I, I do appreciate that. I appreciate you guys reading. My, my Twitter handle is just my last name. It's at IDEC, I-D-E-C, boxing, at IDEC boxing. Um, and uh, we'll have everything cooked. And I'm handling the, although I was supposed to go to Dallas, and once they lifted the mask mandate and all that, I, I canceled my trip. But I'm handling that card on Saturday. You know, <laughs> Um, so, so I'm doing that card and, and my colleague, Jake Donovan is handling the Showtime show with David Benavidez against Ronald Ellis in the main event. Uh, he's going to have that all covered on Saturday night as well. And then, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have some fun fights here leading up, you know, up to the Canelo Saunders fight. No doubt about that. Keith, thank you. We appreciate you hanging out. Uh, as we always keep saying, everybody stay positive, test negative, and we rock on, uh, with the fights, with what we have. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, guys. Be good. There he goes. Love the insight again of Keith Eidick. Read him on BoxingScene.com. Marquis, stand by. More with you about the David Benavides-Ronald Ellis fight and the undercard uh, bouts that we will see on that card and also some of the other fights that are going to be on the card in Dallas. That is all still to come as we continue on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. It's that time of the year. Again, the craziest month with all of the action in March Madness. Bubble teams are making their final push for a conference tournament berth for an automatic bid or maybe an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. And DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, putting new customers in the center of the action by betting $4 on an underdog to win $256 if they win. It's that simple. Again, the bet is just 4 bucks on an underdog in a select college basketball game, and if they win, you collect $256. The bank is open. There's no better way to enjoy all the college basketball action and put your knowledge to the test. Put your money where your mouth is and do it with DraftKings Sportsbook. And don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on things like golf, hockey, and so much more. 
DraftKings is secure, safe, reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your own convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use our promo code SGP when you sign up and turn $4 on an underdog into $256 if they pull off the upset. The code is SGP to turn $4 into $256. It's for a limited time only and only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Other restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for more details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Are you the best college hoops better in the country? Well, Odds Crowd is challenging you to prove it with their free March Madness Fantasy Betting Contest. There's $8,000 in cash prizes up for grabs and less than 100 players have joined to date. So here's how it works. You play a risk-free fantasy bet throughout the tournament against real odds and lines. Most profitable players rise up the leaderboard, and if you're in the top three at the end, you'll win your share of $8,000. It starts right before the first four tips off next Thursday night. It's graded based on units for profit. The most units for profit at the end win the cash. Players play as many or as few picks as they like. One, two, or three unit picks. Use the money line, the spread, and the total. And Odds Crowd isn't just a fantasy betting contest. It's a social app built just for sports bettors. Free to download. You can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private betting contests with your buddies, and much more. Download their free app at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds for Odds Crowd. Let's talk more about our friends at BetQL with the Super Bowl over and done with. We're turning our attention now to college basketball, the NBA, the NHL. And if you want an inside edge for who the pros are backing, you need to check out BetQL. They've got algorithms that have simulated all kinds of different games, all the different angles, tons of sportsbook offers that they have on the site. Just go to the App Store or the Google Play Store, download the BetQL app, and get the opportunity to go and play. We're going to make it worth your while because if you enter the promo code SGP30, you'll get 30% off of your first subscription. That promo code again is SGP30 at betql.com. Get the edge. They've got you covered. They've got all the great info over at betql. It's betql.com, promo code SGP30. We are also brought to you in part by betterthan.vegas. It's an all-new, completely free website sharing thousands of handicapping videos. It's like YouTube, but it's for what the DGENs only care about. Of course, the DGENs only all part of the Sports Gambling Podcast, the network fleet of shows. The best part is you get to watch all the video picks from the Sports Gambling Podcast network crew and what they're posting exclusively over on BetterThan.Vegas. They cover all sports, the NFL, college football, college basketball, NBA will be here soon as well. If the free video picks aren't enough, they're giving away cash. $1,000 to the handicapper that wins the most units and $1,000 to the handicapper that has the most followers. Make sure you subscribe on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network page, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. Better than Vegas, BTV, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV so you don't miss out on any of these videos. Head over to betterthan.vegas. That's betterthan.vegas to see more. We're also brought to you in part by Better Edge, the stock exchange for sports bets that allows you to buy and sell betting positions live like the stock market. And the best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG since you're buying positions from other sports bettors and there is no house. You can play for money in 40 states and they're doing weekly college basketball contests right now. We're talking tons of hoops from here on out here on Three Dog Thursday. And on Wednesday and Saturday, pay 10 bucks to enter and each user starts with a balance of $1,000 in edge coins to wager on the games. The player with the highest earnings takes the entire pool of entry fees. It's like a battle royal winner take all. Find the link under the competitions tab to get in for just 10 bucks. Sign up today at betteredge.com. Use our promo code SGP. Get that free $10 bet as well. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com. Promo code SGP. 
We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. We are back in once more talking some more about Chaka Latito and Estrada. The co-feature is the women's undisputed welterweight title rematch. Jessica McCaskill, Cecilia Breakhoos. It has some intrigue. We've been talking a lot about those fights. So much more to get into. Marquise, as we call you, back in. Uh, okay, I'll ask the same questions of you. How intrigued are you that we still got a couple of weeks before Povetkin and White? Has some of the luster worn off on this? Are you going to gear back up and rev back up to it in a couple of weeks? Or where do you stand on that, as I was asking Keith about it? I'm actually looking forward to it, TJ, for one reason, one reason only. Uh, last time around, when Dillian White got knocked out, uh, social media was in euphorically gassed and celebrating as if something bad was happening as if like someone like killed evil or something on social media when Dillian White got knocked out so I'm always looking forward to seeing that go around once again because apparently the world's a a a kinder place on social media out of all places when Dillian White gets knocked out it's really bizarre TJ all right we'll see if that's the case and the other thing uh are you taking me up in agreement on Billy Joe Saunders can still screw this up inside of 60 days here before the planned May 8th fight wherever it's going to be with Canelo are you on board with me that there's a really there's still a distinct possibility this could happen or do you think he's learned his lessons and has eight million or seven million or seven and a half million reasons to just stay out of trouble before Canelo beats him up I think TJ, he does have 8 million reasons to shut up. But my thinking yeah. also is, is that for, not for nothing, TJ, I think I'm a, a remotely funny person. Billy Joe Saunders is not very funny. Like yeah. the things he does are not funny at all whatsoever. Offensive jokes, saying he's sick, these quote unquote mind games, as he mentioned with everybody. And it's like, uh, stop, just, just shut up, train, prepare for your loss for Canelo, take the money and run. I mean, that's all By you the do, way, right? failed PED test before the Boo Boo Andrade fight back about, what, two and a half, three years ago. So there's just there's various ways where he has screwed stuff up for himself. Stay tuned. That's all I'm saying. Just stay tuned. You're a big fan of Saturday Night Live from back in the day. I don't know if you watch it as much anymore. I don't really watch it that much anymore. But the old Hans and Franz, right? Uh, yes. Kevin Nealon, Dana Carvey, hear me now and remember me in two months. Dana. There you go. We are here to pump you up. You you up. Very good. You, <laughs> you, play my, you play my Robin to my Batman very well on that. Um, okay. So uh, before we get into the fight cards, and you even got some odds real quick, Brandon Lee is a guy that we want to talk about. Midweek, Wednesday yes. night, just a couple of nights ago, depending on when they're hearing us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, in that same bubble, Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut, an impressive big KO of uh, the veteran uh, junior welterweight contender from Philadelphia, Samuel Tia. Tia got not speaking, getting starched like the Povetkin uppercut. He got blasted, got knocked down, got up, and then a few seconds later, Brandon Lee moves to 22-0 and with 20 knockouts with a booming right hand Marquise. Your thoughts. We interviewed him last week, and he said for the haters and the doubters, he was going to drop this guy, and my man, Brandon Lee, delivered. Brandon Lee, once again, TJ, backs up his talk of getting in and getting out of these fights as soon as quick as possible. He told us last week he was going to do this, and sure enough, that TJ, that right uh, that he sent Daniel T down to end that fight is already the front runner and may have leapfrogged Oscar Valdez's knockout of Burt Schelt, honestly. That was one of those... That's one of those shots, TJ, where it's like you hear it, and it, it's it's magnified, of course, because they're in the fight spirit. There's no sound effects, but that yep. makes it worse, TJ. Yeah. All you hear is him falling like a bag of potatoes. Well, and and I I often defer to this. Raul Marquez, who we've had recently on this part podcast, former world champion, is one of the analysts on Showtime, mm-hmm. and you heard Marquez react uh, audibly on the shot. And then he said out loud on, on uh, Barry Tompkins' call, even this kid can punch. And if that's if that guy's endorsing you, then there you go. I mean, there's still some question marks. He gets hit some. Uh, you know, what happens when he's in with a better, more talented, elusive fighter? We'll learn all of that. But I think we've answered the questions about whether he can punch, whether it's at 140, 147, whatever. So... It's it's great to see that he can no TJ. He has a he has a right that's devastating. I'm hoping this go around now that they finally are putting him in with actual live bodies this go around. That way they're not completely patting this guy's record and come to the point of oblivion. Hopefully the next couple of fights we'll see him in with actual like either French contenders or former world t- title challenges holders, or at least 
or at least guys that can put this guy at least for the fourth round, TJ. This guy hasn't seen the fourth round probably about eight fights, TJ. It's, it's been a long time for this man. It's what, 13 knockouts in a row for him yeah. uh, as well. So Brandon Lee, keep an eye on that name out of California, unbeaten. Uh, it was very impressive midweek. All right, let's get to these cards this weekend. Speaking of Showtime, because we'll build up to Chocolatito and uh, Estrada as the main event and the odds and that stuff in a second. David Benavides, uh, back in the ring, back in the main event for PBC on Showtime, non-title fight. He would love to get into the conversation with Canelo. Don't know how realistic that is at super middleweight. Can he get in front of Caleb Plant, the IBF champion, maybe later this year? What about Benavides and Ronald Ellis? Interesting fight, TJ, this Saturday night. Uh, I will admit, actually, uh, they made this fight courtesy of the WBC, as you may have guessed, a final title eliminator for this fight. So they're trying to get, they're, they're trying, they're trying so hard to put Benavidez back in this title picture and back in the mix for this WBC belt he's already held twice already. And what will happen afterwards is that he'll get to wait his turn afterwards because uh, courtesy of the WBC, something named Anvil Yidrim was the quote unquote mandatory. I can't quote-unquote man hard enough on this so uh if, if he wants that shot at canelo for benavides in the event he wins on saturday which he's expected to he's gonna have to wait he's gonna have to wait a minute but it's interesting what tj with benavides and this fight as a whole is robert ellis in, in this main event was the only guy to want to accept this fight against benavides because to to face benavides honestly tj at this point he's only 24 it's pretty much low reward high risk and right. no one wants to be the guy getting knocked up by Benavides especially a Benavides now without a title trying to get a title again so that's where Ronald Ellis comes in we'll see how much of, 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 a, of a fight Ellis puts up in this he's last he was last seen actually in the fight spur already against uh uh, Matt Corbaugh, who he who he beat because uh, Corbaugh suffered an injury and, had, and couldn't continue back in the fight spirit. I want to say that was back in December. So we'll see how it all shapes out. But essentially for Benavides, what he has to do is just win in advance and just patiently wait. Hopefully, uh, he's going to be waiting for a while if he's going to look for uh, Caleb Plant, too, because I think Plant's going to sit out to a Canelo. But, Interesting. And but Benavides I'm obviously lost his title when he missed weight, as you made mention of. He's got a previous failed drug test for cocaine that cost him. He's he's cost himself twice the WBC belt. So he's trying to get back in the in, in the picture somehow, some way at 168. We'll see if he is impressive. Uh, all right, back to the Chocolatito card, which will be on DAZN in uh, Dallas, Texas for Saturday night. Is there anything on the undercard that you're intrigued by real quick before we get to the co-feature in the main event that we've already talked about? Just one prospect, TJ. Raymond Ford, who I wrote about for on Big Fight Week, is a prospect on the undercard. He's making a big step of fight. It's going to be his first eight-rounder on, on the undercard for all of this. One of the He's quoted himself as saying he's the best prospect in boxing. Uh, pretty much any prospect listening to this podcast will argue that content, uh, vehemently. And I'm actually, I, I kind of I kind of uh, would agree with that as well, because one of the other prospects that was supposed to be on this card, TJ, uh, O'Shea, Ofa Jones III had to pull out because of a, a, a late injury. Uh, also, uh, as well in this fight card, TJ, Austin Ammo Williams, another prospect as well, big kid, uh, middleweight prospect, is going to be fighting as well. Don't, outside of those two, TJ, it's, I will admit, TJ, for the first time in a long time for a matchroom card in the U.S., this is actually a pretty good card. These past few matchroom cards they've had here have been miserable, like yeah. the Canelo card. And there's and a down. third, and we to that point, there's a third title fight we haven't mentioned, and I hope I get the name right here. Roto Kayoguchi is That's the it. Japanese WBA junior flyweight or strawweight champion Straw, I think it's strawweight. And, and whichever you prefer axel vega is the opponent both of these guys uh don't don't weigh much more than a happy meal as i like to say but there <laughs> should be a lot of action i thought it was interesting that kayaguchi is like a big fan of chocolatito gonzalez when chocolatito arrived at the hotel earlier in the week kayaguchi was like wanting everything but an autograph he was taking selfies he was just smiling ear to ear even through the mask he was elated uh, to have him there we'll see what kayaguchi looks like on this card then mccaskill and Breakus, the women's world title fight uh, there. What are the odds, by the way? Uh, Sports Gambling Podcast, love is it when we go on the odds. Uh, interesting for McCaskill, she is not the favorite here. No, TJ McCaskill is actually the underdog at uh, if I'm recording this plus 165. And I, I, I don't know how that's the case considering TJ. I thought she won that fight pretty handily last go round. I mean, there was a couple of, there was a couple of close, close rounds as Keith mentioned that when we had them on uh, in, in, the, in the middle rounds of the fight, but for the most part, the first five rounds, I thought McCaskill had in the bag at that point. So I, I thought it was really interesting how that all shapes out and that McCaskill was not going as the underdog to retain these belts. She gotten from break goose. I think, 
personally, Tasia, that's money that's give, that's being given away here. I I think <laughs> I think Breakus is, is is on the way out. I was so gonna say, I was just you read my mind. I was just gonna say she's thirty nine now. And McCaskill younger. McCaskill showed a style of aggression and volume punching that she couldn't keep up with. How how big of a concern? I mean, again, if you're looking to bet the underdog here, is this was this a sign and is this a sign that Breakus is at the end and is not the same fighter against a talented opponent who beat her the first time? Absolutely, TJ. And it's one of those things with Breakus and just, just in terms of her title reign. I mean, she's had she had the belt for about 25 wins, but let's be honest, TJ. Out of those 25 wins, she may have fought legitimately probably three, three and a half opponents worth promoting. So it's one of those things where she or she would be facing, you know, fighters coming up like in two weight classes and she can just bully around. She couldn't bully around McCaskill. That's the big difference. And I think I'm not, I'm not one to say that the gambling lines and the odds makers got it wrong. I think they got it wrong on this one. But what is their number one objective, and why do they have those billion-dollar facilities out in the Las Vegas desert? They want money on both fighters. They want to get you to wager. They want money, money on action. both sides. If you make McCaskill the favorite, how many people sit back if you're going to wager and go, okay, that's probably about right, whereas you make her the underdog, and here we are talking about it, as we have yeah, been absolutely. for the last two minutes, right? Absolutely. No, that makes complete sense. And they're all, as the, as the uh, great uh, uh, football player once said, all about that action boss. And that's exactly what this is in terms of casinos. (laughs) All right. In the main event, Chocolatito, who I I seem to, I I heard Keith Eidick think that he believes Estrada is going to handle him. I think Chocolatito is the man here, Uh, but he is also for, for wagering purposes. He is the underdog here in this unification 100 and what 15 pound title fight, right? Yes. He is TJ, and I'm I'm with you on this. I think it's, I think uh, Chocolatito pulls off the pulls off this this legacy story here. Where the one thing with Estrada that is well known, and even Keith mentioned it to it in the last when we when he had him on, Estrada gets hit a lot and a lot. Like he was knocked down in that Kudras fight uh, last go round, and, and everyone has his like, well, which 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 made everyone's fight of the year list at some point down the line. And I think uh, Chocolatito, who has been training for this fight. He's been saying everything, you know, all the right things. And the one thing he said that I've been paying way close attention to it, and I think it was his trainer, saying that he, he's trained to, to uh, load up, the, to, to practice having a thousand punches thrown by him in this fight alone. If you're willing to practice that much volume, TJ, he's going to use it on Estrada, and, and, and he's going to throw that much of it. He's going to catch Estrada with a lot of it. And back, back a few years ago, before the two losses that I referenced earlier in our interview, as you hear Marquise Johns, TJ Reeves with you, we're winding it down on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. When Chocolatito was in his heyday, was being shown on HBO, HBO After Dark, back five, six, seven years ago. Big-time puncher, big-time one-punch knockout guy. I don't know that he still has that that power, but that's part of the intrigue. Can he level Estrada with one big shot like what he used to? And they went the distance in the previous matchup, so it would be a surprise if either one of them is able to score an impressive, emphatic knockout. But we'll see. That's the main event Uh, there in Dallas. Again, we plug away that the Big Fight Weekend website, you've been writing about some of the news of the week. The Herring-Frampton fight has been announced and made official. Uh, We're we're, uh, also aware that Triller has announced the fight card for Atlanta that has uh, the YouTube guy, Jake Paul, the former uh, failed actor uh, that's a YouTube star uh, in the main event. I'm more interested in Regis Progress uh, the junior welterweight former champ is the is the co-feature on that. And you were even reaching out on social media. We may have to get some Tarver time back on the podcast. 52-year-old former light heavyweight world champion Antonio Tarver, Mason the Line Dixon from the Rocky Balboa movie. He is coming out of retirement. He's on this card as well that Triller has announced for April Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Tell me a little more real quick about that that you've been writing about. Yeah, TJ, Antonio Tarver, who hasn't been in action since that Rocky movie as Mason the Lion Dix is fighting <laughs> against Frankie Muir, a former MMA fighter and former MMA champ, if memory serves me well. I think it was like UFC three or four. It's been too long ago, TJ. But nonetheless, those two are going to get at it on, on this undercard for this fight event. Uh, that, 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 you know what's funny, TJ? I think Triller has this, this boxing formula down. They, they figured it out. It, the main event, you, you put on the casual circus, like the last one, the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. We, we, it was the intrigue of all of that. You put on the undercard uh, an actual fight people want to watch. Like, for example, I want to see what what shape Ivan Redcash is going to be in for uh, Regis Progress, who I think will probably stop him and stop him quickly. Uh, but also, they, they're putting on other fighters on this as well, where I'm, 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 I, we, we got to shake down Tarver on this, TJ. But I'm, if I had to speculate without knowing any other thing none whatsoever inside-wise, 
I would assume Tarver is being put on this fight card either as a favor or something down the line to get his son in a fight on one of these cards later on down the line. If I had to speculate, if, if I'm putting pieces together here, but other than that, why would, I mean, let's be honest, AJ, Tarver hasn't been in uh, in the ring since fight night on the PlayStation two. So <laughs> that's a good line. He's got a great personality, but he's 52. I'm concerned for him yeah. uh, in some regard. And I know him a bit off the air uh, as well. Great personality, former broadcaster as well, doing stuff with Showtime. You just wonder here. Uh, I, I don't know how legit because the Tyson, the Tyson Jones had a question of legitimacy of how hard were they going to try to knock each other out, and what yeah. happens if if one guy gets actually hit and hurt? Will the referee just stop it and call it an exhibition? Are they going to do the same kind of thing here with this Tarver Mir fight, especially once it gets to the third or fourth round and they're both tired? Yeah. Those are all things to watch come April. Uh, for that. So again, they need to read more on the site on bigfightweekend.com. And we love the historical perspective. And one more before we get out of here on the podcast. This was the 35th anniversary this week of a fascinating middleweight undisputed world title fight. I wrote about marvelous Marvin Hagler, Marquise Johns against John the Beast Mugabe, which again, for our fans that are listening, wherever they are, go, go back and watch the YouTube of that battle. What a fight and understand the buildup. And again, I'm older than you and you were not living in the Tampa Bay area where we both live now hosting yeah. this podcast. The beast was a big deal in the mid eighties here in this area. So much so that he had been featured on network TV a couple of times had been on USA Tuesday night fights a couple of times had been on NBC with Marv Albert and the fight doctor for Pacheco. They were on the, they were on the call for him winning, he won his first 26 fights by knockout. I cannot stress to you enough how amped up the Tampa Bay area was for John the Beast Mugabe to fight marvelous Marvin Hagler in Vegas. Uh, and and what? how many subplots from that fight? Hagler had defended the undisputed middleweight title 11 times in a row, and only one guy, Roberto Duran, had gone the distance with him up until that point. His previous fight, he had, oh, by the way, knocked out Tommy Hearns the year before in 1985, April of 85. This was his next fight. And Marquise, as it turns out, Hagler wins in an all-out war uh, with Mugabe. Again, go back and watch the sixth round alone, where they are just rock em, sock em robots for that whole round. It's crazy how much they hit each other and how Mugabe didn't go down. But that's the last time Marvin Hagler won in the ring was when he beat John Mugabe March of 86 because he took 13 months before he fought Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard beat him in April of 1987, and Marvin Hagler never fought again. His last win is the Mugabe fight from 35 years ago, anniversary this week. How about them apples, my friend? There's a lot of subplots from that fight. TJ, imagine telling modern fighters in this day and age, not to sound like the old person, you know, I remember back in the day kind of thing, but a, a, a list of three contenders where you faced uh, Hitman, Thomas Hitman yep. Hearns, John Mugabe, and Sugar Ray Leonard back to back to back. Yeah. Good, good luck with that. And not only that, they, those fights pretty much happened within the span of three years. Uh, good luck getting that in 30 years with, with, with modern day fighting. Well, really about but, two, really about two. 85 to 87, you're absolutely right. But the day was different for this reason. You had to fight the bigger names to get the big payday. And Hagler got guaranteed $2.5 million, probably about $10 million in present-day money. He got guaranteed eh, maybe you know, like $8 million. What do I know? He got guaranteed $2.5 million 35 years ago to fight John Mugabe, which, again, if you were going to make the big money, then I think he ended up getting guaranteed like seven or eight million to fight Sugar Ray Leonard the following year. If you were going to get the big money, you had to fight the biggest names. I, I just, I love going back and reminiscing about those fights. And uh, the Beast was never the same after that fight. Hagler wore him down, knocked him out, and Mugabe was just not the same fighter. Uh, after that, but man, was he was he a menacing terror with a wicked left hook out of Uganda by way of England, by way of Tampa, Florida, which uh, uh, Mugabe, I, I looked this up, is still living in Australia. He's been in Australia for several years. His daughter, one of his daughters, reportedly still lives in the Tampa Bay area where we are, uh, and she was born, obviously, in and around the heyday uh, of the 80s when this was going on, but the beast was a big deal until Marvin Hagler derailed him. Great fight to go back. That's what we do, right? We love to go yeah. back on the historical perspective. And that was a great anniversary from this week. It was a thrill for me to write that. 
doubt it. It absolutely is, especially at BigFightWeekend.com where we review all uh, things past, present, and future. That was a great fight. And I remember you mentioning Maccabi coming up in Tampa. And I want to reference the fight I saw. Actually, it's it's on YouTube if you just type his name in. Uh, he fought on, on you mentioned NBC Sports with, with Marvin Forcheco. There's a fight at the old Egypt, uh, Egypt Lake Shrine. Temple Shrine, right, right. Yeah, or, or as I know, present day, well, it's gone now, but uh, known as the Alicar Pavilion, home for most of your corporate uh, Christmas functions. But <laughs> they had a fight there, and they had that fight there. And he was Frank the Animal Fletcher was the Philadelphia contender. Frank the uh-huh. Animal Fletcher and Mugabe drilled him, Correct. knocked him through the ropes. And I've, I've rewatched that fight as well. And that's <laughs> that's the fight that basically launched him into the into the Hagler fight. Again, I'm spilling so much intrigue, but go back and find it on YouTube or read it here because they actually brought Thomas Hearns on for the commentary in the middle of the fight. Tim Ryan, Gil Clancy, the iconic announcers on on CBS, CBS, and also on pay-per-view in the 1980s. They were the big announcers. They welcomed Tommy Hearns to come in and talk in the sixth round, the epic sixth round as it began of that fight. And, and that sixth round rivals the first round of Hagler Hearns. And it's just, again, it's neat nostalgia to listen to Hearns on the commentary because it's almost coming through in his voice like, my God, is this what Hagler was doing to me? And this is what I was doing to Hagler a year ago while he was watching it. And, uh, and even Gil Clancy finally says, my God, this guy has taken so many punches. How is he still standing? And then he, he later says, he, you know, you talk about an iron chin. This guy's got the iron chin, Mugabe, because I agree. Marvin Hagler sledgehammered him at least 15 or 20 times yeah. and could not put him down at that point, but eventually did. Uh, again, it's great just to go back and reminisce, and you're so right. We long for the days where Leonard fought Hagler, Leonard fought Hearns, Hearns fought Leonard or Hagler or Duran, Duran fought Leonard, Duran fought Hagler. We got all the great fights because that's the way they made the big money was fighting each other, and now they make the big money without fighting each other. Yeah, it's strange. It's amazing that they're, they're fighting nowadays and they're not – fighting each other but they're still making the money i mean more i mean more well does he always say you know more power to them get the money and whatnot but man they, they can just fight each other It'd be great. epic <laughs> epic again go back and watch all of those uh I, I am not over exaggerating you will not be disappointed just scan to the sixth round if you want to watch the sixth and Mugabe hit Hagler three or four times earlier in the fight with big time punches that Hagler took obviously and went on to win that that a lot of other guys may have gotten decked. And I know what else I was going to say. He was also, Mugabe, the number one contender for Thomas Hearns at junior middleweight. He had the option to fight junior middleweight or middleweight, and he fought Hagler. Oh, what a fantasy if it had maybe been a Mugabe-Thomas Hearns fight. Coming off the Hagler loss, Hearns-Mugabe would have been entertaining too. We never got that fight because Hagler dispatched him, and again, Mugabe lost two or three more times, got knocked out. He got knocked out subsequently about three years later at the USF Sun Dome, the University of South Florida campus, by terrible Terry Norris in one round. round. Norris, Norris did in one round what it took Hagler 11 rounds to do and about 300 punches uh, to do. So anyway, great nostalgia, whether we're writing about that fight, uh, whether we're writing about the heavyweights, uh, lightweights, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. The Chavez Meldrick Taylor anniversary is coming here shortly, uh, from 1990, where Meldrick Taylor was seconds away from winning a decision over Julio Cesar Chavez, which would have been Chavez's first career loss. But Chavez got the knockdown and the TKO stoppage in the final seconds. You wrote about that, and we're going to relive that shortly on that anniversary for Big Fight Weekend, uh, in the historical perspective. Absolutely. And uh, especially with that fight teacher with, with Taylor Chavez, I still see it to this day on HBO where Lou Duba, once that was called off, jumping physically oh. over the ropes as if he was going to swing on the ref. And it's one of those things where I really think it, had they played it all back, they probably should let that fight go. But he was taking a lot of punishment throughout those 12 rounds. from Chavez. Well, and they've since they have since now changed the rule at most major boxing commissions. And, and certainly the world boxing organizations now have the rule that a fight cannot be stopped on a TKO in the final five seconds of a fight. Um, and clearly Richard Steele was doing what he thought was best and wasn't paying attention to how much time was left in the round. But that's now actually Marquise a rule. It's now in there that a TKO cannot happen in the final five seconds of a fight, that it has to be a clean knockdown and a countout, um, or it can be overruled. That a, that a TKO can't happen in most 
in most major boxing commissions and around, and it's largely off of Julio Cesar Chavez and Meldrick Taylor. And again, that anniversary is coming up. Again, Marquise, plug away once more for yourself, for the site, and why we need to follow you and find out more on the, uh, on the site about everything that's going on in boxing. Absolutely, TJ. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Weak Sauce Radio. You can find me there uh, t- tweeting about the fights and other shenanigans. Also, f- follow the Twitter as well, Big Fight Weekend as well. I'll have the recaps as well. Recapping everything going on with, with the uh, Estrada Chocolatito card, big time fight card with that one. A lot of those changing hands, possibly, probably not. Also, with the Showtime <laughs> card, seeing what's going on with Benavides, if does he make quick work of uh, Ronald Ellis, more than likely. Also, TJ, also on that undercard, uh, Isaac Cruz is the co main event. And it's a WBA eliminator at uh, lightweight. Keep an eye on that name, TJ, because uh, currently that belt's in the hand of Teofimo Lopez. By the time uh, Isaac Cruz gets a shot at that belt for Teofimo Lopez, Teofimo Lopez will be either at 140 or 150, 154. But nonetheless, he'll be the mandatory in the event he wins this fight Saturday night. So that's a name to keep an eye out for. All right, all good to see. And as you mentioned, follow us at BigFightWeekend.com. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Thank you for finding us if you did so on the Sports Gambling Podcast, their network of shows, SportsGamblingPodcast.com. I thank them always. Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, Colby Dant, great guys with the Sports Gambling Podcast that help promote us. Marquise, have a great weekend. Enjoy the fight card. We'll be reading the previews and the recaps all weekend long, depending on when they're hearing us. Thank you for hopping on the show. Absolutely, TJ. Thank you so much. Thank you as well to Keith Eidick, BoxingScene.com. As our guest earlier on the podcast, we are done for now. Enjoy the fights. We're back next week as March rolls on on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Bye.